So if you'd turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, I want to conclude our time together with some instruction. Peter was Jesus' lead disciple, and uh, about 30 years after witnessing, personally witnessing Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection, Peter wrote this letter to followers of Jesus who were suffering. They had been forced by the Roman emperor to leave their, their homes. They had been evicted. They were refugees living in regions of modern Turkey, as the first few verses indicate. And they had suffered under unjust government treatment, which is a detail that makes the passage we study today all the more remarkable. First Peter 2, 13 to 17, Peter says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Well, you can see from that concept of emperor as supreme with governors as his emissaries that Peter was writing in a very different political context than we live in. You can also see that Peter's view of government is generally good. He knows, because of the relationship that he has with his readers, that governments are corrupt. And yet, verse 14 is one of the clearest statements of God's good design for government. Peter continues, for, for this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. He's referring specifically to insubordination to law, disrespect of, of government leaders. Don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but live as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, a reference to our Christian family. Fear God. Honor the emperor. I want to just very briefly walk through those verses, the first several of them, to state the main point. And then I want to make two clarifications and three applications. I'm going to try not to rush and instead just be clear. You'll see that the central command in verse 13 is for Christians to be subject to civil authorities. As I pointed out in reading through, then verse 14 Peter outlines God's design for government. Government is essentially, we would say, law with force. It's not my definition. It's just a way of describing government that's been pretty common. Law with force. And God designed law with force, or government, for human flourishing. It is true that every government is designed by God for our good, even though every government is corrupt. There is no perfect government. That was true in Peter's day, as he's looking at the Roman government, under which he's suffering, and under which the people to whom he's writing is suffering. It's also true in our day, isn't it? Think about Ukraine. The Ukrainian government for the past generation has been notorious for corruption. And yet today, the Ukrainian government is heroically seeking to protect its citizens from Russian cruelty. Good government, fundamentally good, but notoriously corrupt. 
and we could get much closer to home and say, under the U.S. government, we live under a government that is fundamentally good and thoroughly corrupt. Peter explains in verse 15 that submission to government is one critical aspect of our testimony. He says, by your submission to government, you actually silence your critics, non-Christians who claim, oh, Christians, they're just all about destabilizing communities. Christians are just political revolutionaries. Their Christianity is just a, a cover for revolution. Peter says, no, it's not the case. We are subject. The way I'd state the main point of Peter, his instruction for how Christians should live, is this. Submission is the default position of Christians towards civil authority. God has designed it to be one way we may silence accusations from non-Christians. Submission is the default position of Christians towards civil authority, and God has designed it to be one way in which we may silence accusations from non-Christians. I get that phrase, default position. It's why it's in quotations from Ben Edwards. Ben is the author of a new little booklet called COVID Churches and Government Regulations, Answering Seven Questions. We are going to have Ben speak here at the beginning of June, on June 5th, the first Sunday of June. He is the dean of Detroit Baptist Theological Seminary. He is a very effective pastor and evangelist. And he is carefully thinking through how churches should think about government regulations. He writes in his first chapter, quote, The Christian's default position should be one of submission. Exceptions should be just that exceptional, rare, uncommon, unusual. He's right. Submission is the default position. Submission, of course, refers to appropriately and willingly putting yourself under the authority of another person. That's what submission means. And it is absolutely impossible for Christians to please God if our lives aren't characterized on the whole by submission. Not only does Peter say, let your life be marked by submission, this is good for others, it glorifies God, but Paul is going to say, actually, when he's outlining the, the spirit-filled life, he's going to say that our submission to other people is actually a chief characteristic of living under the control of God the Spirit. Wow. Now, I'm going to come back and explore three applications of this concept of submission, but I think it's really critical that we look at some clarifications. I want to address two clarifications regarding submission to civil authority. The first question to clarify things might be this. Does Peter's command to be subject to governing authorities, does it apply to Americans? We've got to be careful in our thinking, and the answer is no and yes. In one sense, no, and in another sense, yes. Here's what I mean. In America, we are technically governed by laws, not leaders. So if a civil representative approaches me, whether it's our mayor or our president, and says, Joe, shine my shoes. 
According to American law, am I required to obey? Am I required to submit to that leader? According to American law, I'm not. You say, oh, then this passage just doesn't apply to us. No, no, it does. We simply have to say that technically speaking, as Americans, we must obey the the laws that our governing representatives legislate. We should be subject to our laws. Second clarification is this. Are there any legitimate exceptions to Peter's commanded submission to government? And the answer is absolutely yes. There are many exceptions. You say, are you sure about that? If you look at the text, verse 13, it says, be subject, look at the next four words, for the Lord's sake. That phrase, for the Lord's sake, makes it clear that we have a higher authority than our government. Our ultimate authority is God. So there are times when we, like Peter in Acts 5.29, have to say we must obey God rather than men. We must obey our laws as long as we are not disobeying God in what we do. It's critical. Disobedience to our laws based on conscientious objection is called civil disobedience. And the Bible is full of examples of civil disobedience. I could tick off several, but Hebrew midwives, Moses' resistance of Pharaoh, Rahab not agreeing with her city requirements and hiding the spies. You've got the example of of, uh, Daniel. He resisted the decrees of his king and kept on praying even though there were laws against it. Esther pushed back against the decree of her husband and king. The wise men were told by Herod, return here, report to me. They disobeyed Herod. And of course, in the last book of the Bible, you have the people of the lamb who are constantly disobeying the the authority, the commands of the beast. To use the language of our church covenant, we must submit to our laws as much as our obedience to God allows. This is critical. And there's another complicated issue that I won't get into much, but uh, simply put, it is not always clear who our authority is. We experienced this under the emergency state of COVID when there were conflicting mandates coming from local, state, and federal levels. It was very difficult to know, wait, which one, which one, what, what do I do? kind of felt like you were getting shot at from different directions and you're not quite sure which way to look. That was not a particularly serious issue. You could think about going back to our our founding as a country. We were founded in secession. And for several years, it was unclear. Wait, wait, are we British or are we American? Do we follow the old government or do we follow the new government? It was a very unclear time. On Good Friday, I told the story about the two Dutch women, uh, Corrie Tenboom and her sister Betsy. They were incarcerated in that German extermination camp throughout 1944 for the crime of hiding Jews in the upstairs secret room in their home. When their father, Casper, was arrested 
by the Germans in the Netherlands there, the German officer asked him, I'm quoting, law-abiding citizens are you? You, the old man there, I see you believe in the Bible. Tell me, what does it say about obeying the government? And Corey remembered her father answering 1 Peter 2. He said, fear God and honor the queen. The German soldier then looked at him and, and, and said, it doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say that. Casper said, you're right. No, it actually says fear God and honor the king. But in our case, that's the queen. And then the soldier yelled at him. It's not the king or the queen. We're the legal government now and you all are lawbreakers. Hmm. Was Casper right or wrong? Well, clearly he was right not to obey this dehumanizing new regime that would soon be out of power after just a short time. But you can see that it is not always clear who the authority is. That's another issue that is very difficult to wrestle through for Christians and has been historically. But now I want to return back to the, to the main topic of submission. I have tried to address a few clarifications in saying, yes, Americans approach this command a little differently, and yes, there are many exceptions. But we come back to Peter's fundamental words, be subject. We say, what does this look like in my life? Well, there are three applications I want to work through. And the first is, Christians, governmental corruption doesn't give us any excuse for insubordination. That insubordination might be refusal to obey or to pay taxes. The fact that the government is corrupt doesn't give us a, a ticket out of submission. And we suffer unjustly at the hands of our government in many ways. Our government and its policies in many ways are corrupt. And let me also say, I'm very, very thankful to be an American. I'm thankful to be an American citizen. I'm not opposed to our, our government. But we need to frankly acknowledge that our government is corrupt. We suffer inflation. That's unjust. The devaluation of our money and of our savings due to their fiscal decisions, which are foolish, it's unjust. Our government inflicts suffering, particularly on the next generations, through unprincipled increase of outlandish debt. And this has been epidemic throughout the last generation. Our taxes fund many causes over which we disagree. Even while less and less of our taxes fund causes that would explicitly protect the lives of citizens, which is God's good design for government. Through fiscal policy, our government disincentivizes marriage, especially for single parents, for widows and widowers. It's disgusting, the disincentivization of marriage that our government inflicts. If you start spending too much time thinking about these sorts of things, it will ruin your day. It will ruin your week. It will, it will make you a bitter person. And yet, Jesus and his apostles consistently taught us to, the words of Jesus, render to Caesar what Caesar's. He was talking about a corrupt Roman government that would be complicit in crucifying him, the Son of God. And he says, render to Caesar what's Caesar's. The default position of Christians toward even corrupt governments is submit. Corruption 
does not give us uh, a free pass to do whatever we want. Our default position is submission. Secondly, submission to government includes respect. It includes respect of our civil authorities. If you look at those four commands in verse 17, it's really helpful to meditate on each of the commands to compare them and contrast them. But look at the verbs especially, verse 17. Honor, love, fear, honor. Hmm. Fear. That ultimate respect and allegiance. It is due to God and God alone. Love. This is warm, self-sacrificial life commitment to others. That's, that's what should be given to our Christian family. Honor. To whom is honor given? It's really interesting. Honor everyone and honor the emperor. Compare and contrast those. That means that Our civil representatives, our civil authorities, they're they're not to be given special honor. They are to be given the same respect and honor that we give to every image bearer. In this way, we as Christians should stand out from most political commentary that goes on today. Such foul language, mockery, No, if you wouldn't talk about anyone else that way, your neighbors that way, don't talk about your representatives that way. Show respect, human respect, dignity. This is what should characterize Christians. We need to be careful. We must disagree. Many times we must disagree. And we can voice our disagreement. I am so thankful for the freedom to voice disagreement. But we must not use disagreement as an excuse for disrespect. We respect. We show human respect to everyone, including to our leaders. Third application, our political humility powerfully testifies to the the change the gospel's made. Christians are often viewed as troublemakers. It's not new. It's been characteristic of societies throughout history. And Peter explains that we actually silence accusations when we, though free, live as slaves of God. What does Peter mean there? In verses 15 and 16 in particular, when he says Christians are free people. What he means is what we have heard testified to several times this morning. Freed from enslavement to my selfish nature. Freed from the eternal condemnation that I was living under. I've been made a citizen of Jesus' kingdom. I'm free. We're truly free. That's what Peter means when he says you're free. Now live as God's slave. If you have never turned to Jesus, if you've never submitted your life to King Jesus, you are not truly free. You are enslaved to your nature. You are enslaved to condemnation. You need to run to Jesus. John very famously said, whoever has the Son has true freedom. You come to Jesus, whoever he sets free is free indeed.
You have freedom from your, from your self-centered nature. You have freedom from your guilt and condemnation. You have freedom forever. If you submit to Jesus, you're truly free. And then Peter says, if you're truly free, then live as a humble servant of God. Live as a humble servant of God. And in our world, it is truly remarkable when people are obviously not self-interested. When people are obviously humble. They're not all in it for themselves. Me. My rights. My things. My life. It's all about me. When you get freed from that, and you show it and you say, I can submit to people. I can submit to other people who God's called me to submit to. It is a powerful testimony. A few years ago, I read John MacArthur's commentary on 1 Peter. And uh, it's really interesting that he makes these comments because for the past two years, he has been known for lawful disobedience of governmental overreach in Southern California. He describes this default position of submission like this. He says, such a lifestyle of humility and submission, particularly the government, causes the world to stop, look, and wonder. Honorable living forces even unbelievers to acknowledge the greatness of our God. Yeah. Submit. Be humble. Be respectful. This is the call. I end, actually, with a brief application to Matt and to Bryson. These brothers have just been baptized. Of course, all of us are going to listen in and, and hear it. It's very, very simple. This morning, before you were baptized, you testified that because of Jesus, you are truly free. The way Peter's words would apply to both of you is you need to be careful be careful now that you're free, now that you've testified of what God's done in your lives. Live under submission to Jesus. Every aspect of your life, your, your thoughts and your words and your actions, your attitudes, bring them under submission to God. Be known for the rest of your life as someone who, though free, free from guilt, free from condemnation, free forever, Though free, you live as servants of God. And when you live as God's slaves, you will flourish because you will be living the way God designed humans to live. You're free, so live as God's servants. Let's pray.